The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. We're glad you found us. This is UnityOnlineRadio.org, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery. Here's Reverend Dan Beckett. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery on Unity Online Radio. We are glad you're with us today. I'm Reverend Dan Beckett here with co-host Reverend Michelle Vargas. Together, we share ways that spirituality and addiction recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth in your own recovery journey. Facebook users, you can send us your questions and comments anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Just click the send message button right below the banner. Be assured that your anonymity will always be respected. So please let us know what's on your mind. We'd love to hear from you. Today's show is titled, You Gotta Know When to Hold Them. As that old song tells us, sometimes we need to hold on to things and sometimes we need to let go. Fortunately for us in addiction recovery, we make a spiritual practice of taking personal inventory as a way of life. If we find we are wrong, we promptly admit it. If we persevere in this practice, we find a meaningful purpose in life. Today, we want to share our experience, strength, and hope on when to hold them and when to fold them on the path to purposeful living. We want to share with you what we were like before, what happened, and what we are like now, along with a spiritual tool or principle that helped guide us through the tough times. We hope you'll find something in our experience that will be helpful to you in your own recovery. Today, we're going to be talking about moving from a state of confusion to clarity of purpose, and it's through the principle or the power of understanding. All right, so confusion. I must think this isn't fair. Do I really have to say all the stupid things that I did and ways that my life was upside down and all that? Well, the first one, yeah, right. The first one that comes, I'll laugh at you, you laugh at me, we'll have a good time. Deal. (laughs) Um, The first thing I jotted down as I considered this is sort of a statement of the obvious you're not thinking clearly, right? And that was something that. You know, sometimes we say, well, it was that way and it still is. This is one what kind of left. The kind of lack of clarity that was in play when I was in active addiction left and did not come back. And that I feel very fortunate. I had heard people in the rooms, you know, in, in my first year, people saying things like, well, it takes about five years for you to get your mind back. And I was like, no, it doesn't. Because wherever I was at the moment, that was my definition of having my mind back. 
Then when I hit five years, I was like, oh, I see what they're talking about. <laughs> so the way I might say it is it keeps getting better for yes. quite a while. I mean, years and years, it just keeps getting better. Mm-hmm. So the, you know, this not thinking clearly, this confusion that I uh, experienced and in a little bit, I'll share some more, some examples of that um, does fortunately clear up, at least in my experience. And I've heard that from others as well. Yes. So as we were talking about before the show, the first thing that came to my mind when I looked at this topic of confusion is the time I was in Spain, I was so drunk, I couldn't find my way out of the bathroom. That's confusion. That's confusion. You know, and it's important for me to remember that, you know, every now and then kind of pull that one out and be like, yeah, you really are an alcoholic, Michelle. (laughs) That's bad when you can't find the way out of a bathroom. All this could be yours again. (laughs) Right. We always have to remember that. Yeah, that is absolute confusion. Um, You were talking about how it get, you know, it doesn't take five years to get your mind back. That's let's not tell newcomers that they'll be like, well, forget it, man. I'm not waiting five years to get my mind back. But there, there, we do get more and more clarity with time. Um, And I think that part, a big part of that clarity that we get is just awareness, right? So when we're drinking or using or, you know, whatever our, um, our, substance or behavior the the addictive behavior is its purpose is to take us out of ourselves right because we don't want to feel we don't want to be in our own skin we don't want to be aware we don't want to be um connected to ourselves or aware of what we're thinking and feeling we want the opposite of that that's the whole purpose of the addiction is to not be connected to ourselves and not have to feel what's going on within ourselves so it takes time to develop that awareness back, you know? Um, And I think that self-awareness is a huge part of the recovery program from being totally unself-aware to being more and more self-aware over time. And that involves, you know, learning to stay put and be in our own skin and be present with ourselves and present with what's going on. Um, And so I think that as we grow spiritually and we heal ourselves spiritually, emotionally, psychologically, we're able to be more and more present with ourselves, you know, and that's why that clarity just keeps growing and growing. That's what it seems like to me. I think you're right. And it does, it, it does go on. You know, you just said something that reminded me of, I'd always, or I realized at some point and I consider, I, it helps me to remember that alcohol really is like an insulator. Yes. It literally shrinks your world. So if, if I've been drinking or you can see this in other people more easily, if, if a group has been drinking, they're like totally unaware yes. of what is going on outside their little circle as exactly. they walk down the road being loud or obnoxious or inappropriate or whatever. Yeah. Same thing happens in bars all the time. So al- alcohol is an insulator. And as you yep. said, it kind of insulates us from what's going on within us because yep. it's preferable yes. to be insulated from it. Um, <laughs> another thing uh, I jotted down in thinking about confusion is so there's this, you know, there are many, many videos on the internet that could and some probably do start off with the ideas like, hey, guys, watch this. Hold my beer. Like before someone does something really stupid, (laughs) you know, and that's a sign right there. The fact that hold my beer is a joke 
uh, leading into a, a video or a story of someone doing something really, really outrageous, not very smart, not just not just um, daring, but like stupid daring over the line. You'd have to have been drinking to think that that was a good idea. Yes. Hold my beer. Watch. I'm going to jump my car over the drawbridge or whatever <laughs> it might be. So when I think about confusion, you know, I've, I'm, I'm sure I've had many hold my beer moments. I don't know that I can think of them now. Yeah. I don't. Uh, so did I, have I told you about when I dropped a couch on my car? Yes, I think you have, but it's a good story. <laughs> that's a good, that's I mean, even a, just the title of the story is great. Story. Well, I kind of gave it all away. No, anyway, I was moving this very heavy couch. It was a pull-out couch, you know, it pulls out into a bed. So it oh, has those this are metal very frame. Heavy. Those things are really heavy. Anyway, the idea was one to get it from the main floor to the basement. The easiest way to do that was to take it outside and around through the garage because it was wide open. Um, anyway, so, you know, had it on a hand truck. There was a couple of us. Things were going fine, going down the walk path to the driveway so that we can go around the car and we lose balance and the couch falls on the car of course it does <laughs> the quarter panel pretty significantly and i just thought that was really a very this is a stupid idea of course i'd been drinking somewhat at that time enough to think it was a good idea enough yeah. i should have said you know hold my beer i'm gonna move the couch yeah. to the basement <laughs> on a hand truck Oh, it's okay. If you balance it right, it doesn't matter how much it weighs. Yeah. Anyway, so I, I literally made that foolish mistake and had my own. That That's a good example of a hold my beer moment. Yes. So as you're talking about that, you know, my mind is starting to replay this reel of ridiculously stupid things that I did, which mostly involved putting myself in danger, you know. And so uh, an aspect of confusion or lack of self-awareness for me was just being really reckless. You know, I was really reckless. Now, of course, I was in my early 20s. You know, I got sober at 24. So the ages of, you know, whatever, 18 to 24 are a fairly reckless time for most of us anyway. But mine was particularly reckless. You were already immortal. Even without yes. the alcohol. <laughs> and seriously, and I mean, I was, you know, so I, I've got a scar over my eyebrow to prove, you know, one of my more stupid things I did. And um, so this recklessness, you know, uh, when I look back at it now, I wonder if there was, because, you know, I've never been suicidal, but I felt that I've always had um, a sort of low grade chronic depression throughout my life. And I wonder whether that's related. Is that a mildly suicidal type of behavior to be so reckless with yourself? You know what I mean? Yeah, Driving I drunk, getting into cars with people that were drunk, you know, uh, just stupid stuff, just, you know, going off for the weekend with people we just met, you know, just, just really just careless, dangerous, risky stuff that, I don't know if it's partly a function of just being a young person and not having a fully developed frontal lobe. I'm sure that was part of it, but the alcohol certainly, it was almost like I liked the recklessness. You know what I mean? I wanted to, I wanted to see how reckless I could be really. That's why I wonder whether there was a tiny little suicidal, um, not, not suicidal, but. Definitely a risk taking. There's yeah. kind of the risk taker gene. 
almost like thrill a, seeker thrill seeker might be yes but it, i think it was more wanting almost wanting to hurt myself or wanting to see how reckless i could be with myself um i don't know i may be overanalyzing it but anyway it's just interesting to look back and think like what the heck was i thinking you know but but i wanted to be reckless i wanted to drink as much as i could and you know just just do stupid stuff dangerous stuff that it's a wonder i lived through really you know but that recklessness and 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 just no regard for my own self safety you know no um no care for myself really you know in in physical ways in terms of just doing dangerous things and in emotional ways and you know allowing people to treat me poorly and not being selective about who i allowed into my life and just oh it's awful to think back about how i treated myself it makes me really sad actually to think about the ways that i put myself in danger but i don't do that anymore and i haven't done it for a very long time that's the so. important part and the Absolutely. and the confusion in all this where i'm seeing the confusion is what's what is and what is not a good idea yeah right i'm hearing you share a lot of basically confusion about what's what's advisable and what's something i shouldn't be doing what's okay to do and what's not and and i thought of that as you know it's it's we have to take risks in life that's part of it we have to be bold at times but there's a difference between sort of a calculated or divinely inspired risk than a tequila inspired or a risk risk that has a purpose right right or just a a dull brain that's not working very well because it's you know been sitting in an alcohol bath for 20 years or or whatever it's been doing you know that's that's Mm -hmm. a different kind of thing so yes calculated risks um are one thing just being stupid and doing ill-advised things is another and for me when we talk about that experience of confusion in active addiction that's certainly part of it confusion about you know what what the what's going on part like you said about the not being able to find the door um isn't there a song about that there is Joe Walsh. It's no, hard no, to leave no, when no, you can't no, find the no, door. No more. <laughs> is yeah. that the same one or is that a different one? No, I think it's the same one. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, all the way to, you know, less obvious, but still uh, evidence of a mind that is not working very clearly, a mind that is kind of mired in confusion. But yes. well, we've talked a lot about this confusion, uh, quite enough for me. I don't want to admit <laughs> any other bad behavior. You know, right? <laughs> So it's time to move on, fortunately. And of course, we always, uh, we need to tell our story. We need to tell the truth, but then we need to move out of the problem and into the solution. So that's what we're going to do. Well, what is the solution today? Well, in unity, we affirm that all of life is governed by spiritual principles. And the spiritual principle we found helpful in moving out of that confusion and into clarity of purpose is the power of understanding. So the power of understanding, that being one of uh, Unity's 12 powers, is a pretty broad principle. And I found that in order to be helpful, I need to know like specific tools and steps that are simple and practical. So what does the power of understanding look like in real life as a practical tool or action? What do you think? Wow. Okay. Well, I think that our definition of understanding per our unity literature is the ability to know, perceive, and apprehend. 
But what really makes sense to me is, you know, I was just talking about confusion being the lack of self-awareness. So I would say that understanding largely involves self-awareness, right? Becoming aware of myself. This is this is a big part of unity teachings, and it's a big part of recovery, is what is going on inside myself? Um, what are, you know, what is... Uh, what am I thinking? What am I feeling? What am I avoiding? What are the subconscious, you know, um, things that are driving me, that are motivating me? Uh, beginning to understand myself. You know, it sounds very psychotherapy-ish, and it sort of is that it can be a component of it if the psychotherapy helps you to sort of uncover, you know, what's going on. And really, that's a big part of the step work, right? is, is, you know, looking back over our lives and starting to look at the things that we did and the people we hurt and the ways we hurt ourselves, but then not just being like, oh, I was such a horrible person. That's not the purpose of it. The purpose is to go deeper and be like, well, why, why was I acting like that? You know, we don't act that way for no reason. I think in most cases, it's safe to say we act that way because we have deep psychic pain inside of us, you know? Um, childhood trauma, you know, family of uh, origin issues, um, whatever it is, you know, there are things that are motivating us and we cannot do anything about those things until we uncover them and become aware of them. And becoming aware of them is the first step towards beginning to dismantle them. So I would say that understanding, a big part of understanding is that self-awareness. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I had also went to look up sort of the official 12 powers definition, the ability to know, perceive, comprehend, and apprehend. Mm -hmm. And I was reminded of, um, so from the big book, Step 11, which appears on page 59, and it, it says, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him. So there's the first understood praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. So that knowledge of his will for us, gendered language and all is understanding of our way forward. So I see the power of understanding in that phrase, knowledge of God's will for us, understanding what is our, what is my path forward from here Mm -hmm. so the power of understanding um for me means the you know i kind of i use that phrase i can wrap my head around it like you know i don't i don't quite get this yet i need to study it more so i can wrap my head around it so i can really get what it's all about and understanding is a you know it's very much a um cerebral kind of thing right It, it has utility but it's not um, it's not the same as it's the way our brain gets things right right it's not the way our heart or our spirit mm-hmm. gets things the the heart and spirit get things in a different way that I don't know that I'm I mean you can call it spiritual understanding but we're just borrowing a term right from like uh, you know I speak English you speak English so you understand what I'm saying right, right? that's a fairly superficial um, use of or version of the concept of understanding but understanding praying only for knowledge of god's will for us um is the pertinent part of this for me 
mm-hmm. the understanding to know uh, how do I move forward yeah. in all of this. So that's one thing that comes to mind with the power of understanding is I need I the way I'm wired, I need to get it. So I feel like, okay, now I know what to do. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, there's a program of recovery, including communities and, um, uh, you know, structured ways forward and sponsorship yeah. and home group. And th- that's how I was able to learn it. But right. understanding it was important to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm a cerebral kind of intellectual person myself, so I definitely need to understand things intellectually. But I think that we can also move from that intellectual understanding into a deeper type of understanding that isn't quite as easy to explain or describe. It just becomes more of a knowing. There's sort of a there's a surface level of getting something. And then there's when it sort of gets integrated down into our I like to call our operating system, meaning it's it's sort of becoming part of our worldview, our way of operating, our way of um, perceiving the world, and and um, that's that's a part of that process too. You know, I've been talking a lot about self awareness in my typically self obsessed way because I am a self obsessed person. I think many of us are. I'll admit it right now. It takes a lot of effort for me to, you know. I mean, I love other people deeply but I spent so much of my life just concerned with myself trying to keep my own self you know from whatever going off the deep end or doing something dumb that um it can be hard for me to think about others so for me that self-awareness that was a big part of understanding once I sort of began to get a little bit more of a handle on what was going on with me then I needed to begin to extend that to awareness of others that there are actually other human beings on this planet. Now, I'm an only child, and I grew up in a single-parent home, so I was alone a lot of the time. So no wonder I have a worldview that I'm sort of all there is, because I was all there was a lot of the time. And so I struggle, you know, to be aware of other people. But that's the next step in that awareness, is that, okay, so I'm beginning to get a handle on what's going inside it what's going on inside of me, what, what's causing, what's driving me, what's motivating me to act in certain ways. Now I need to extend that awareness to others because they also have these things going on inside themselves that are also motivating them. And we're all out there bumping into one another, right? So that understanding for me needs to extend to others, um, beginning to, you know, uh, you know, look at, okay, well, why might this person be acting this way? You know, what, what might be going on with them? And that's the beginning of compassion. It's the beginning really of, um, of healing relationships with others and, and uh, being able to extend kindness and understanding to them. It doesn't come naturally to me. I'm just going to say right now, you know, I have to, I have to, um, extend myself I have to extend myself to be aware of other people but to me that's that's the next step from first getting a handle on what was going on with me to then being able to start to look at what might be going on with others yeah I'm reminded of the 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 other holy trinity me myself and I (laughs) (laughs) that's the that's the alcoholic addict Codependence, yeah. Holy Trinity. Yeah, yeah I, I, I suspect that uh, not just I, but those who are listening uh, get this. <laughs> Having been there, I've had a lot of the same experiences. And it's, you know, what does the big book say? Driven by uh, a thousand a forms, forms of fear, of... right? Yeah. That's it, It's not that we're bad people. It's that we're literally so occupied 
worrying about things that it's all we can do is to um, try and avoid disaster by making sure we're always paying attention to what's going on with us. It takes a certain amount of security, I think, in order to easily be able to uh, witness other experiences. And like you, uh, over time, I have gotten there and I have those uh, skills and abilities now. Keeping them in balance, of course, is the key. Trying to recognize when I'm uh, relying too much on uh, my inner world or my you know, power of understanding things for self-centered purposes yeah. versus, as you're starting to point at, um, uses of understanding that begin to show up as empathy and compassion mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, I had seen understanding as uh, extending to um, the ability to see to see beyond appearances, mm-hmm. right? To what is going on underneath the yes. surface, or what's going on underneath what is what is presented on the surface. And I, you know, think of that see beyond appearances to reality reality is always a relative word right it it just means how i am experiencing things in this moment but understanding has depth right i can understand superficially what's happening i can i can ask questions and pay attention and note well what's going on sort of underneath that and what's going on underneath that and dig and dig and dig and find what we call root causes like what's yeah. really driving this dynamic here if you if you dig deep enough you can find out what's really driving or you can understand or see what's really driving a situation so yeah understanding definitely has layers to it and i like what you said about there's the cerebral kind of understanding like i understand that two plus two is four mathematics sort of or or at least um the simple kind of math Uh, but not long division (laughs) no not long i'm talking about like addition (laughs) and then on a good day subtraction um but then that that being extended into much deeper arenas than just the superficial or things like arithmetic or whatever and we do talk about spiritual understanding is part of um who we are and so yeah i'm with you it does run deeper yeah i was just thinking you know about um have you seen a picture of an iceberg, how um, what you see on the top is about a fifth or a sixth of the yeah. whole iceberg and most so, of it yeah. is underneath. So we can think about that when we're dealing with other people or even situations, what we're seeing is just the very top little piece, but what people have going on is all this stuff underneath. So that can help us to have compassion for others and for ourselves. Absolutely. But let's hold that thought because it's time for a short break. And when we come back, we'll continue the conversation. We hope that you'll stay with us. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive.
practical spirituality. Positive messages. This is UnityOnlineRadio.org. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. Yes, welcome back. We're glad you're with us today. If you're just joining us, my name is Reverend Dan Beckett, here with co-host Reverend Michelle Vargas. We will resume our discussion in a moment, but first, we want to remind you that you can send us your questions and feedback anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Message us from there and let us know what's on your mind. Prior to the break, we were discussing first confusion, that state of confusion that we know pretty well. And then we moved into talking about the power of understanding, which we know is one of our 12 powers in unity. So let's talk now about how the power of understanding has helped us move out of that confusion and into clarity of purpose. So what comes to mind to me first is I remember that it seems to come from two different places. And I don't know if these are actually different sources or what, but what came to mind was calmness is one, calmness, and then clarity mm-hmm. is another. So calmness for me, um, it just means that a calm sense is possible when I'm approaching a challenging situation. So the power of understanding helped me move out of confusion into the clarity of purpose by providing me kind of like a basis to be okay Mm -hmm. in a situation. And once, um, you know, the alcohol was removed from my life and once I got on a a recovery path and began, as we said, to get my mind back and began to find a, a new way of living and to start to show up in service to others and all the things that we do. Uh, when we're uh, working a recovery program that allowed me to approach challenging situations with the sense of, of calmness that I don't think was really possible before, probably because I was just too, um, maybe too easily uh, wigged out or freaked out about things. And even I'm not saying that that would completely take over, but there was always an element of it somewhere under underneath everything. Mm-hmm. And um, being in recovery and using understanding to really get what's going on helped me a lot to begin to cultivate the ability to be calm, even in a challenging situation. I mean, calm internally. Mm-hmm. I'm almost always calm externally. Just mm-hmm. the, that's my nature. That's a, you know, people, uh, most of my life have, you know, thought I must be super chill. And well, inside, I'm not so super chill. On the outside, though, I am, or always have been even. That's so funny. I'm the total opposite. (laughs) Yes. Well, one of the things about the power of understanding, I hope this fits the power of understanding, but ways that I learned how to understand was by getting this higher power on board with me because I used to think I had to figure out everything myself, my own like human power of understanding, right? Not a spiritual power, but just, you know, figuring things out like sheer will just pushing myself through things. And, um, and so coming into the 12 step program and um, shortly thereafter unity and, and, and getting a concept of a power greater than myself and that I could um, use that power to 
make better choices, to seek guidance, to have access to more understanding and wisdom than I had on my own, right? Um, you know, in unity, we, we talk about divine mind as being this vast intelligence that we all have a connection to, but let's face it, it's a rather, it's a rather uh, wimpy connection a lot of the time, right? <laughs> like we don't go around totally plugged into it all the time. And, and so um, this divine mind, this, this vast, you know, intelligence and understanding and um, wisdom, you know, of the universe that we can tap into that uh, by seeking guidance from our higher power. And, and that, you know, unity teaches that we all ultimately have all the answers within us. But I think what that means is, you know, within us on a spiritual level, not, not like the answers are in my own human brain, because God knows they're not. But I, my, I have the answers within when I tap into that divine mind, to that greater um, consciousness that, you know, God, whatever we want to call it. Um, And so it was a total revelation to me to begin what we call in 12-step program, turning it over, you know, turning things over to God. And and it worked so well for me that I was just like, this is awesome, man. I'm just going to do this with everything, which is the idea, right? Is to begin to do it with everything. But um, turning it over and seeking divine guidance, it, it's a type of understanding, you know, it's understanding that my own human mind enough alone is not enough, that I need to tap into greater understanding and wisdom in order to make good decisions for my life. I'm reminded, and I can't put my hands on it quickly, there's a verse from the book of James that says, you know, any uh, any of you who are lacking in wisdom, just ask God, who yeah. gives generously without reservation. Yeah. So that idea that um, my ego mind, my thinking mind, doesn't have all the answers, but I do, as a spiritual being, having a human experience, I do have the ability to... Um, become still and tap into something that's yes. much bigger than yep. just my thinking mind. Yep. And I can have um, flashes of insight or just, you know, gut feelings like, yep. oh, I, I can just feel that this is the right thing to do. I'm not sure I could explain why, but um, I feel guided is the word that we begin or learn to use over time. I feel guided to talk to this person or to make this decision one way or the other. And I, I mentioned that how understanding helped me move out of um, confusion into clarity of purpose was showing up as calmness and clarity. So clarity, like easier to see what the right thing to do is. We talk about do the next right thing. We've talked a lot about what on earth does that mean and how am I supposed to figure out or know what the next right thing is? My short answer is uh, we turn within in, in meditation or spend some time in the silence and then just see where we're at. It's not like getting a, an email that says the answer is this, although right. sometimes it might feel like it. Or at least we can stop doing what's not the right thing or the unhelpful thing. You know, that's a step <laughs> in the right direction. If I'm not sure what the right thing to do, at least I can cross off the things that I know are genuinely unhelpful and are, are clearly not what I might call the the right thing to do or the helpful thing to do moving forward. So clarity um, in, in a sense of having a way to discern what's right, even though, like you said, it's not 
it's not instantly available all the time with practice it comes much more quickly yeah but certainly at first i i just spend time developing this uh, uh ability to be still enough to kind of um discern the right way forward and it did take time and practice it does i don't want to say did as if it's done it's right not- it's ongoing continues to yeah i love that instead of uh doing the next right thing just don't do the next wrong thing (laughs) that's good enough for now you're halfway there if you can do that (laughs) yeah you know i mean it's kind of mysterious the way all this stuff works i just know that when i started turning things over and praying about things before i did them that they generally turned out a heck of a lot better and and i think it was like um you know, I would turn something over to the best of my ability in, in prayer. And then I would just assume that whatever I was guided to do next would be, would be that guidance. You know what I mean? Um, I agree with you that it's not like God sends me a billboard telling me what to do next. It usually doesn't. Now, every now and then, you know, we get those flashes where we're like, yes, I know what is mine to do. But often for me, it doesn't work that way. I just, I turn things over to the best of my ability, which, which for me involves relinquishing control, relinquishing, trying to figure it out, stopping, trying to make something happen. Right. Um, so just sort of taking my own sheer will out of it, turning it over, and then assuming that whatever unfolds is going to be for my highest good at that point. That's sort of how it works for me. It's like, well, you know, and, and there's so instead of getting out there and trying to make something happen, I sit back and see what happens. Does that make sense? I kind of see what starts to unfold. So I've, I've turned, you know, let's say I, I've, I'm looking for a new job. I've lost my job. I can't figure out what to do. I've turned the whole thing over multiple times in prayer and meditation and done visioning and all that stuff. And then I just wait to see what happens, you know? So then something comes to me, an offer comes to me or a situation comes to me. Well, I assume that that has come out of that work that I have done. You know what I mean? So instead of being out there, like trying to get it, not that we don't have to do certain footwork because we do but there's an allowing to unfold rather than a forcing to happen that's sort of the difference that's a really good way to put it i like that yeah. a lot allowing yeah. not forcing allowing yes. to unfold not in a controlling manner exactly and it does it does you know things do unfold things do come to me that um you know, that sort of begin to point me in the next direction. And sometimes I don't know what the ultimate destination is for quite some time. I just keep doing the next thing that seems like the best thing to do. That's, that's what doing the next right thing is, right? What is, what seems like the best, you know, after I've done my prayer work and I've turned it over and I've done the footwork, what seems to be the next thing that's being indicated to me? Cause we don't know for sure whether something is the right thing. Yeah. All I know is living my life this way, Dan, and I don't do it perfectly, but I've been doing it for a really long time now. And things have worked out so much better this way than trying to figure things out myself and force things to happen. Yeah. It reminds me of a saying I keep coming back to, let it be easy. I had a spiritual teacher that wrote a little short book called Let It Be Easy. And the question is, what what would this be like if I let it be easy? Yes. Well, it's so hard for me to let it be easy because I don't want to relinquish control like you're talking about. Right. My my mind uh, has convinced me that it, it, unless it like got a, a two-handed 
grip on this thing that everything everything is right. going to go badly but um that's not that's usually not true in fact it's almost never true sometimes i'm sure it is but it's almost never true and if i could just allow using that word again that you used if i could just allow things to unfold and allow things to be easy then inevitably they are yeah which is in a way a great relief but also ironically uh, in a sense a bit of disappointment because it's like wow i really didn't have to do all that that's both good news and the bad news it's the good news because wow this is a lot easier it's a bad news because man i'm not very good at this <laughs> you know I've, I've done a whole lot of trying to control situations Absolutely. and i still do and it's hard for me to tell um you know when i'm in a situation where hey you know i could let this be easy mm-hmm. it's and again it's an ongoing practice ongoing practice another way that understanding helps me out of confusion and into clarity of of purpose is a a calmness that shows up kind of as a lack of urgency yeah and this has been super helpful in many ways of life although if you're in a helping profession especially like therapist or minister or something we learn um active listening tools and we we begin to learn about um, other people's drama and not getting pulled into it. Yeah. I would call it triangulation. When someone comes up to you and says, you know, I really don't like the way so-and-so is doing this. Will you go talk to them? They've just tried to put you in a triangle. Yeah. And if I, if someone does that to me and I'm not, I'm not paying attention, then I might fall for that little trap and I might take that on. And what I've done is I have, I have, um, you know, believed the story that was brought to me and and failed to look deeper Mm. at what might be uh, going on. So being able to be calm in a situation like that, even when someone is bringing a sort of a sense of tension and anxiety and urgency to something, to be able to really listen to what is being said and to be, here's the phrase, the non-anxious presence. That's really what I'm trying to describe. Learn to be the non-anxious presence and just sort of hang out with whatever is going on at the moment. I mean, a lot of times we talk like the house is on fire, but the house is actually almost never actually on fire. I know. But I might (laughs) act like it is uh, much of the time. So as long as the house isn't actually on fire, which is pretty easy to discern, um, I don't need to get wrapped up in the energy what i need to do is be with that person and witness whatever it is that they're bringing and to practice being the non-anxious presence yeah that is something understanding has helped me with yeah i think that understanding developing this power of understanding over time really helps us with that um i totally agree with you most things do not need an, an immediate response or an immediate solution things can move a lot more slowly than we think they need to. Um, I mean, it's just part of our culture. Everything is now, now, now. And uh, it can be very hard for us to just chill out and just wait and see and just let things unfold and just let it be. You know, when we were using and before we learned all this stuff and before we healed some of that anxiety, it was really uncomfortable to just sit still and let something happen. That's the last thing I wanted to do. And sometimes today, it's still the last thing I want to do. I can, I can fall into that. No, I got to deal with this right now, you know. And um, 
my husband sometimes is a good teacher for me because he's way more chill than me. And he's just like, what are you getting so upset over? And it's like, you know, I'm like just crazy. And he's just like, or then I look at my cat, you know, we're talking about cats being such wonderful spiritual teachers. You look at your cat and they're just so chill. And it's like, okay, I'm getting way too worked up over this. I think sometimes my, I just enjoy the drama The it's just, it's a reactiveness that, um, you know, I think I learned early on and that I still have to unlearn, you know, I'm, I'm still actively unlearning it. Um, I heard, I've heard many times people talk about learning to respond rather than react. Yeah. It's always better when we respond to something rather than react to something. And I'm learning slowly, but over time I'm learning about my own reactivity. You know, why am I reacting to this? Um, you know, sometimes I can stop and I can go back and go, oh, it was that thing that person said, it triggered this issue in me, you know, one of my core issues, I, you know, I'm not good enough, I'm not lovable, I'm whatever, you know, and I can kind of trace it back and go, okay, that's what I'm reacting to. That's what's causing all this craziness. And sometimes like, you know, just that awareness, which we talked a lot about, you know, awareness is a big part of understanding. It's understanding myself, my own reactivity. Then I can, it, it takes a little bit of the hit out of it. It's like, okay, the house isn't on fire. Some part of me is, is triggered inside and that's what I'm reacting to. So I can go, okay, you know, and do whatever my work is around that. I do a lot of inner child work, you know, be with that child that's, that's reacting, that's freaking out. That's, you know, whatever our work is that we do, prayer and meditation, ways of calming ourselves down so that we can respond to the situation rather than reacting. I think that's all part of understanding. It's understanding ourselves, how we operate, what's motivating us, and then assuming that that same thing is going on in everybody else too. That they're also reacting. They're also getting triggered, you know. So it can help us to have a little bit more compassion for others. I like that, especially the part about the cat. <laughs> thinking about, like, if you go go to your cat, maybe your cat's just sort of hanging out on a chair or something and uh, spill all my troubles and concerns. My cat's just like, far out, man. <laughs> Check this out. I am digging this chair. Yeah, come lie down. What? I could stretch and put my head upside down. <laughs> Look, dude, the room is upside down. This is cool. Scratch my belly. Yeah. Oh, man. Cat yeah I aspire to live at that. At that I know, level. right? They're little Buddhas. They really are. Um. So uh, more thoughts on all this. How does understanding help me out of confusion and in the clarity of purpose? So this this clarity and calmness that I'm that I've been talking about leads eventually to a kind of confidence, I would say. Yeah. And like confidence, if for example, in my general life direction. Now, as I jotted that down, I had to put in parentheses mostly because it's not <laughs> as if I'm always a hundred percent confident in my life direction. No. Um, although in general, everything's fine, everything's been fine for a while. I have no reason to believe. Everything's not going to continue to be fine. But I have to say that when I was under 40, I was a lot less concerned, like with what what's my retirement going to look like when it was oh, more yeah. than 25 years away. Well, I'm telling you now that it's theoretically nine years away. That's a whole <laughs> different world. 
to live in. I, I don't feel like I've got all the time in the world to figure it out. Yeah. So what that is, is an opportunity to look at what is it that I'm worried about? Is the house on fire? What would happen if I let this be easy? Mm-hmm. What would happen if I remember that, you know, God's got this. I don't need to freak out. Yes, I have action to take, but I know how to discern what that action is. Mm-hmm. What would happen? So I continue to use the same tools um, along the way, even with, uh, you know, life circumstances becoming quite different than they were before yeah. and opportunities to be worried about, you know, things that seem really, really big um, that do seem like, you know, existentially the house is on fire when really it's not. And really I do have the tools that I need and really everything is okay. And I could be like my cat and just say far out, you know, be, <laughs> be here now. Like what's going yeah. on now? What's, what does it feel like the, the next thing is, yeah. you know, we talk about the next right thing. You sometimes say the next indicated thing. I keep trying to substitute words in there because I get that part about, you know, right meaning like correct yeah. as if there's therefore incorrect. And that's really not what we're saying. So no. hence saying the next indicated thing. And the next indicated thing is all, it's never write a novel. It's always like do the dishes. It's so simple that the problem, if I air quotes, the problem with it isn't it, it's me. Yeah. Because, you know, I want it to be, you know, oh, I'm going to write a bestseller. No, th- writing a bestseller is never the next right thing to do. The <laughs> next right thing to do is like put your shoes on. You know what I'm saying? It's like go in the kitchen and get something to eat so that your brain works better. That's it's funny. all these mundane and boring things, but my mind wants it to be all these grand and wonderful things. Win a Grammy. That's the next right thing to do. Yeah. You know, so right? that's a good, you know, we were talking before the show about ego, you know, our ego selves versus our higher selves. And that's a good indication. The ego self wants something now, wants something big and dramatic and wants it right now the higher self has much more patience and engages in spiritual discernment and responding rather than reacting and, and careful consideration rather than impulsive action. Yeah. You know, like so that's lounging, when we know. Like that's when we know where we're cat. Yes, exactly. I mean, we're making big decisions, those cats. <laughs> we're talking about the lounging kitty, not the, not the bouncing off the walls at 2 a.m. kitty. That's my ego <laughs> mind that does that. Well, we have said a whole lot about this topic, so let us step way back, if we can, and see if we can find a way to kind of sum it up. Like if somebody came and said, hey, what are some simple steps I can take or some simple tools I can use to find clarity of purpose through this understanding that you're talking about? What might you say? Well, I would say making a priority out of developing a daily prayer and meditation practice. That's really important. And the thing is, is there's a long term cumulative effect of having a daily meditative practice. So it's not that you're going to sit down and meditate today and get the answers. It's that over time, when part of your daily routine is tapping into that presence, tapping into that, uh, that divine mind that source then it becomes more 
just the way that you operate, you know, and so then uh, we make better decisions from that place when we're plugged in, you know, when we're, when we're taking regular time each and every day, even if it's for five minutes, five minutes is five minutes. That's better than not doing it at all. And like I say, it's, it's what you do over time. It's not what you do today. It's what you do every day over time develops that connection so that we are more tapped into that and we can make better decisions from that place that seeking divine guidance in all things. Don't make a decision, certainly not a big one without first turning it over and seeking divine guidance and then doing the next thing that is indicated after that. That's what I've done for many years now. And it's worked pretty well. Make it a habit. You know, my answer is similar, but I'm going to answer by quoting from the big book because I love this passage from page 86. It reads, in thinking about our day, we may face indecision. We may not be able to determine which course to take. Here, we ask God for inspiration, an intuitive thought, or a decision. We relax and take it easy. We don't struggle We're often surprised how the right answers come after we have tried this for a while. My answer is just read that over and over Uh and do what it says, which is pretty much just what you were saying, too. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you for that. Well, our affirmation today is focused on divine wisdom. I know what is mine to do, and I do it. I love that. Once again, focused on divine wisdom. I know what is mine to do. And I do it. Well, it's happened again. You've given yourself the gift of another hour listening to Spirit of Recovery, or at least that's how we like to think of it. Don't burst our bubble. We're (laughs) grateful that you have, though. And we hope that you found something in all of our chit-chatting today that will be genuinely helpful to you in your recovery. That's what this is all about. Thank you, Reverend Michelle, as always, for our discussion. And thank you to all who are listening to the podcast via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We bless you wherever you are on your own recovery journey. Yes, and listeners, if you'd like, you can always connect with us throughout the week on our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. You can drop us your thoughts and comments there. We would love to hear from you. And we invite you to join us again next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central. And until then, don't drink like my co-host. And whatever you do, don't drink like my co-host. Instead, have yourself a wonder-filled week. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Victoria Moran. Since we launched the Main Street Vegan podcast back in 2012, lots more people have discovered the way that moving in a vegan direction can infuse our lives with vitality, spirituality, and compassion. My guests are experts on every aspect of making this work in your real life and our real world. Join us for Main Street Vegan here on mindbodyspirit.fm.